Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey family, I have a good word for you today. Today, I just want to share with you some reflections from what I call the old folks that we knew uh, who taught us. Either it was good or bad what they taught us, but just some of the lessons that we learned. And also, they made an impact on us. There's a verse in the Bible that tells the story about a guy by the name of David. Many of you may remember him from stories like David and Goliath killing the big giant in the Bible. But let me tell you something. That was a great victory, not only for David and his self-confidence as a young man. However, after that victory, David's life continued. And it took a turn. One, he became the next king of a nation of over 2 million people, but he didn't immediately step into the role of a king. There was a guy before him by the name of Saul, who the Bible tells us, scripture tells us that Saul became jealous of this young man. Saul tried to kill him uh, through my gosh, weapons at his head at times. And the Bible gives a very specific scripture about David when he was young. And it says this here. He says, it talks about the king Saul becoming very jealous of him when he knew that this young man was going to take his place. In the King James Version of the Bible, it uses a word that says jaundice, the jaundice eye that Saul looked at David with from that moment on. Thank God David got through that, but I can imagine the scars, the pain, when you have to serve someone who's not only the king, but they are jealous of the destiny that they notice on your life because of their own insecurity. Was Saul an insecure guy? Yes, he was. Scripture tells us Saul had low self-esteem. Not only did he have low self-esteem, but even the people that he came from, his particular group of people, they were known for low self-esteem. Saul not only had low self-esteem, you would never know that when you study the scriptures because this guy was tall, dark, and handsome. Um, he had it like going on. Plus, he was a king. So what you got to be worried about? But this was a character flaw that Saul never dealt with in his life. Now, today I want to share with you something about David, the young guy, when he became older. After many victories in David's life, many mistakes, things like that, something happened one day when the men had to go out to war to handle their business and um, fight a group of people whom, you know, they were always in war with. And in the book, you'll find this story in my statement that I'm going to focus on in the Old Testament in 2 Samuel chapter 21. But I'm specifically going to tell you something out of verse 17 that was said to David after this victory. The men, David's men, 
after they had a victory and David survived and didn't get killed because he went out to war with them, they said, and this is in um, verse 17, and this is the way it reads in the Amplified Classic. You shall no more go out with us to battle, lest you quench the light of Israel. Okay? They made a statement to David saying, you know, lest you quench the light of Israel. Let me uh, read that in another translation. Because a lot of times we don't use certain words anymore. Um, in the CSB translation of the Bible, it says this here. Then David's men swore to him. Okay, they were serious about this. You must never again go out to battle with us. You must, we, I'm sorry, you must not extinguish the light of Israel. Okay, now let me read this in a translation I like. That's the Good News translation. This is what they said to David. Then David's been made a promise that he would never again go out with them to battle. And this is what they said to him, y'all. You are the hope of Israel, and we don't want to lose you. Okay, here's the point I want you to get today. It is so important that we learn how to respect those who have come before us. Who, who are these people I'm talking about? I'm talking about grandparents, great-grandparents, great-aunts, great-uncles. They may be in our house. They may be at the old folks' home. They may not even be able to recognize who we are. But listen, let me tell you this. One day, you are going to be gray hair and old. You know what? Let me take that back. Let's see if you make it to their age one day. Let's see if you make it to 70 or 80 years old and you're in your right state of mind where you'll be able to sit down and tell the younger generation what life really was outside of what the history books say, outside of documentaries, or outside of fake videos and fake movies that have told the truth in this story. See, one of the things you have to remember is some of the mistakes they made. One, it was not your fault. And two, even though if they messed up, if they did good or not, Still, you are here because of them. Now, someone is saying to me, well, you don't know how they treated me, what they did, and they abandoned me. Hey, let me tell you something. Join the rest of mankind. That has happened to millions and millions of people. But don't allow that to define you. See, life is really what you do with it when calamity, when trauma hits us, yes, there is hope, but you're going to have to go after it. If you have to, along that journey, detach yourself from toxic people, then so be it. I had a conversation this week where it was with an elder, and I politely and gently had to let them know that you don't control who I show kindness to.
See, they were upset because I didn't do for them what they felt as though I should have did. But I had to tell them, look, you don't control who I show kindness to or not. It's my resources. I'm responsible for them, for being a good steward of what's been given to me. And the kindness that I have showed them in the past, they never mentioned that. So, again, I'm saying this. You heard what the men said to their king, David, when he was an older man. They said, we don't want the light. What does that mean? That simply means this here. The one who has gone before me, who's lived before me, who understands and has wisdom in certain areas. That doesn't mean people know everything, but they have wisdom in certain areas that I may not have. They may not have the degrees, the college degrees, the PhDs. They may not have the high-paying job. But respect the wisdom. Take what you can from them. After you take what you can, the wisdom that's shared, leave the foolishness alone. You may understand about Christianity and call yourself a Christian, but see, they may have been around when the nation of Islam got started. They may not know about Hebrew Israelites, but they have a testimony to share with you about how God made a way for them, gave them hope when there was no hope, and have them explain to you what they mean when they tell you that they are blessed beyond measure. In other words, it's called gratitude. Gratitude for what? Having a one-bedroom house, one bathroom, being able to walk around and not worried about someone kicking me out in the middle of the night because they're jealous of me. Thanking God because I may have been treated like a dog on the job, but when I stepped into the church house, I was treated with dignity, dignity and respect. It was called brother. I was called sir. Um, I was called deacon. I was called reverend. May not have a 12th grade education or graduated from high school. However, I was the one who kept the family together. So the molester who was across town would not come in. I was the one who, when I felt like giving up, even though dad may have been a drunk, had someone else on the side. Again, like I said, we're not talking about perfect people. If you're looking for somebody perfect, then get off of the planet and find them because you're not going to find one. However, I'm talking about a time when men were men, women were women, and even the women who didn't do the right thing, who were gangsters on the side, who would cut your throat if anybody messed with their grandbabies, who had grandpa, who had dad, and they had another Negro on the side or some other body they was messing with. But they still kept everything in respect. And even if they didn't, we have to understand that no one is perfect. So let me sum this all up by saying this here. 
if you are going to live your life from a biblical viewpoint, okay, if you're going to live your life from a biblical viewpoint, you're going to have challenges every single day. I don't care if you're 17, 21, or 81, you're going to have challenges in three areas. I'm just going to talk about what are those three areas? The pride of life. What does that mean? That means being respected. Giving respect no matter what age you are. Number two, dealing with your flesh. In other words, not letting your passions or emotions, ladies, control you. There's nothing wrong with emotions, but when they control your emotions, I'm sorry, when they control what you do, how you respond, that is a child gone wild. I heard a story this week where a lady, a young 24-year-old mother, she found out that her um, boyfriend was messing around with her, and immediately she jumped in the car with her eighth-month-old daughter and ran looked like she was going 20 miles an hour or faster and hit him and in the process broke his leg but also killed the man behind him. I mean, look, if you're going to lose your temper, don't kill anyone, but you need to handle that at home and not be going crazy. So now she's looking at going to jail for the rest of her life, leaving behind an eighth-month-old child in a four- year old that she had previously men i'm talking to you too we cannot let our passions control us okay if you want to know more what i'm talking about you need to get on my website get my latest book the barbershop chronicles you're going to hear somebody sharing wisdom many men about mistakes they made don't be a fool i don't care if you 21 or if you 81 stop being a fool that's time to grow up and put away childish things. And the third thing that you have to be aware of in this life that's a temptation besides dealing with your passions, um, the pride of life, is really, I'm going to say, learning to have a relationship with your creator why do i say that here's the thing i'm going to touch on here a lot of us ask the question and have asked the question what is my purpose what am i here for the only way you're going to find that out is to ask your creator the creator god who created you why is that because if you do not mankind will define who you are what you are, where you should be, what you cannot do. And then after they do that, they'll even change that on you. So, hey, I just dropped by to say, I hope your morning is going great. Take these things to heart. Go get on the Internet and look up that scripture that I mentioned earlier about David. Look, not only do that, read about his life. Chucks, David had his flaws. David was also a great man. He did great things. Why are these stories told to us in the scripture 
about a group of people, men and women, whom God had an impact in their life. Let me tell you, let me give you one reason why. It's to let you know that their same God who was able to help them is able to help you and also he understands every one of our struggles. So if you understand that and you determine in your mind that hey, no matter where I came from, that is not necessarily going to be my destiny. You may have came from a home where there was whores and prostitutes and you regularly saw that amongst the men and the women and now those sexual temptations and traumas and sins have passed on to you and you don't understand why you're struggling in your life with abandonment, no personality syndrome, where you agree with everything that comes around just to get along and to survive. Hey, I want to let you know there is hope. But until you recognize, renounce these things, and deal with it, get some help if you have to, you will not be able to be restored to your true assignment and destiny as the Father God in heaven would have you to be. All right, I'm out. We'll see you next time. Have a good day.